guys. Well, this is the Wolves Den. I'm Patty. And I'm Brian. And today we're going to talk about top 10 newbie mistakes. But first, we're going to talk about who we are. We are a local band from Nashville called Tell the Wolves I'm Home. I play drums and Brian plays guitar. And we have decided to take a stab at doing podcasts. And we thought, how better to do it than to talk about our newbie mistakes? Um, and he actually lied. We're only doing eight yeah, we've only eight got mistakes. eight, but we figured since we're only working on like a 30-minute window, eight's enough. All right, so uh, let's talk a little bit about ourselves so far. So uh, um, what was uh, the first band you were in, Patty? I was in a band in 2008-ish, 2009, called Blood Moon Rising. Um, <laughs> there's another local band that just recently uh, dissolved called Animality, and the guitarist, one of them for that band, was started in my band, so... Okay. So... And then, of course, me and Mikey are the, now the current guitarists. We started in that band as well. And after that, um, we formed a band called Aquilos, which didn't do anything. If anybody knows who that band is, I am shocked. <laughs> I will be surprised because I think we had 300 views on like a post that we boosted. That's, it's funny you say that. My, uh, my first band, Buried in the Sky, uh, I wish not as many people knew about it, but I tried to let everyone I knew know about it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And I'm pretty embarrassed of it, but, you know, well, well, life moves on. Everybody's first band, unless, you know, you're just, like, super lucky or just you just take off at the beginning, you know. Everybody's first band is like, do we really have to talk about this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I have no shame in it. You know, I'm proud to say that, Hey, it got you to where you are right now, and uh, it's just a, a stepping ladder. Well, yeah, like, I've I've gotten to do a lot of cool things, like, you know, I've gotten to meet a lot of cool people in Nashville, and I wouldn't say the band is the reason, but, like, if I hadn't have kept playing music, I probably would have just gave up. Yeah, the band helped you get there. Yeah, they kept me motivated. Whether it was intentional or not. Because I'm one of those people, I can't be single myself, mo- like, I can't be motivated by myself. Yeah. I have to be in a band. that With everybody around you that's motivated yes. as well. Yes. Yes, absolutely, and that's going to play into a little bit, like, no one to call it quits. Everybody loses motivation. That's one of our questions, by the way. So, uh, yeah, let's start this off. Yeah, um, where do we want to start? Let's just start with number one, man. Um, First question we get, well, you you read it off, and you elaborate. Okay, so one of the biggest things uh, we wanted to talk about was uh, how do you practice and make sure you're being efficient as possible with it? Um, Well, I know a lot of bands, and myself included, where you ju- it's hard to get practices lined up and stuff, so it just kind of gets brushed off, you know? And it doesn't get taken as seriously as it needs to be. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's a crucial aspect into being able to put on a show for fans that you have to practice like you're putting on the show, just wherever you're practicing. And, and by the way, we practice in our own living room. Yeah. But, I mean, you got to make it happen. Well, speaking of, we were talking about sayings earlier. There's another one that I forgot to mention when we were writing this. So, practice 110%, perform at 95%. Now, that won't make sense at first, but if you practice at 110% and you perform at 95%, you're performing under, you're, you're not as much, you're not as under much stress. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, take I, take I, chances when you're practicing, don't take chances when you're performing. Yeah. And practice but, like you perform. But still, you're putting on. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying dial it down for shows. I'm just saying, you know, be comfortable. Don't try the risky stuff yeah. that you're not comfortable doing. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what they say? What's that? Playing live is like a fart. You have to force it. 
<laughs> okay. It's probably uh, shit. <laughs> uh, um, what are uh, what are some things people can do to make their practices efficient? Uh, so I was talking about this earlier. I'm a food junkie. I love. I watch everything food related. Me too. It does. It doesn't show, but I yeah, love food. It shows for me, baby. <laughs> I don't know if it's all. Yeah. Well, never mind. Um. <laughs> anyway. Um. Gordon Ramsay is probably one of my biggest inspirations, and his biggest thing is great chefs are even better eaters. They know when something tastes right, and and believe it or not, you can't just eat something and think it tastes great. You have to know truly what tastes good, and music is the same way. Music, you have to know naturally just, you know, what's good mm-hmm. in order to even just begin, you know, and I'd say a big part of that is just listening, you know, learning how to listen and being a good musician is like 95% listening. Mm-hmm. You've got to be able to listen to things that are different and unique, you know, and nowadays with, you know, back when I started, when you wanted to record something, you had to find some dude in his garage that was wealthy enough to own his own studio. Yeah. And thousands of dollars. And worth nowadays of we're lucky because super talented musicians have it easy. You know, like they just go into their living room. They've got Superior Drummer. You've got e- um, Easy, easy Drummer, Steven Slate drummer. Drums. You've got all of those. And I mean, a lot of these, hell, a lot of these DAWs are doing the work for you now. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah, like you don't have, you know, they've got presets for like Logic, for instance. You've got compressors specifically designated for vocals. Yeah. Like you're like, I don't know anything about vocals, but I'm just going to try one of these compressors out. Odds are it's going to be fine off the bat. You yeah. may have to, and just little tweaks in here. Yeah. But for the songwriting process, it, it works perfectly. And that's all that matters. I mean, you know, just get your stuff out there. It's so easy now. Yeah. There's like no excuse for, you know, having to fork out a, a boatload of money and, you know, trying to get a, you know, just have even GarageBand. Yeah. And I, I think this rolls perfectly into one of our, uh, another topic we have, which is, uh, writing music you're able to play i think this is one of the biggest things and this isn't even for local bands this is for huge bands that have made it already you know they uh they get in the studio and construct these riffs note by note and just have these insane guitar riffs or insane drum licks i'm already thinking of an album yeah well we're not going to mention anything no 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 no. i can talk about this okay okay yeah so avenge sevenfold city of evil I'm sorry if you ever have been to a show and you've seen them play anything from City of Evil live. It, it you can just you can totally tell because they when they play their live performance, it's just sloppy. And... Yeah, and and it's and I'm not saying they're my biggest inspiration first and foremost. However, they overstepped their bounds for recording that album. They there's a nurse there's a you know certain nuances that deserve to stay inside of an album. Oh, absolutely. They some, cut some all, of them make albums. Th- yeah, they cut all of those out of City of Evil and just crisped it up as much as possible. And it sounds great. It's one yeah, of my the favorite album albums. sounds great. Yeah, but then when you hear that live performance, you're a little let down, aren't you? Yeah, because I'm like, well, um, this isn't backcountry, but it's close. <laughs> I heard a funny joke one time that Avenged Sevenfold sounds like an Avenged Sevenfold cover band live. <laughs> And I'm, that's wow. not true at all, but <laughs> um, some of you might agree. <laughs> that's fine. We all have our dislikes. Yeah, I, I know a lot of bands go into the studios these days, and 
they write their music while they're recording albums and stuff. And this happens a lot. Um, I It's extremely noticeable for vocalists when they just write singing parts. I don't know, especially in our genre when there's a lot of singing and screaming. People really pay attention to the singing because it's it's just impressive to see a vocalist be able to do both at a show. I'd say vocalists have it the worst. Yeah, when absolutely. When it comes to being able to perform with Everyone is, critiques them very well, harshly. You're, you're so exposed because think about it. We're... We're playing something that we can make sound good without, you know, we've got tuners and yeah, and and generally a guitar stays in tune. You know, vocalists, if you're out of tune even the slightest bit, people are like, oh man, yeah. this guy. And I think a lot of vocalists go into the studio and uh, write parts that are like way too out of their range, <laughs> and uh, it it just really shows when they play live shows, and it kind of it kind of sucks. Oh yeah, for so, sure. I don't know. That's that's a little lesson for people like uh. Write what you can play, and uh, and it m- nine times out of ten, it's gonna sound way better live than uh, th- the stuff you wrote that you can't and, do live that you, you know, can almost hit live. Mm, well, simple is is key too. Yeah, if something is simple, don't make it complicated if it doesn't have to be. You know, like drum fills. Like I'm I'm leaning towards drums right now because Superior Drummer has turned everybody into you know. They just have those MIDI. Thomas Pridgen, because like, yeah, because. They just have the MIDI drum fills that you can drag and, and drop and just, in there. Yeah, and they're just like, man, this shreds. And then you start going to play it live and you're like, oh, wait, damn. <laughs> That's not what it sounded like at all. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> and and Superior is really bad about, you know, because it comes with preset fills from these drummers that are just like gods, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it's just. When you're a guitarist and you're just plugging in fills, just keep in mind that these drummers you're plugging in are gods, okay? <laughs> um, another big thing when it comes to what what can make your practices more efficient are, is practicing alone before you actually come yeah, to practice. Warming up. So, you know? uh, what uh, do you have some pointers for us? But yeah, like you wouldn't go run a five k without stretching first, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you wouldn't go work out without, you know, drinking some water, maybe eating something for protein or energy. Yeah. You know, you shouldn't go into a rehearsal. It's just like it's just like that. You wouldn't go into a rehearsal and cold and just be like, I got this. Now, I have done that before, and it's it's been fine. However, I'm not as comfortable. Yeah. You know, and it goes back to if you wouldn't, you know, practice like you perform. Before you perform, you warm up. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what everybody does. I think a big point on it, too, is like when you come to practice, you shouldn't be working out stuff on your own. You should be working out stuff with everyone well, all together. Yeah. And the whole point of a practice is of, of a rehearsal. There's a difference between practice and rehearsal. When you're in a rehearsal, you shouldn't be trying to flesh out parts that you are working on yourself. Yeah. Rehearsal is for mistakes made as a group. Absolutely. You know I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that gets fixed, too. Some bands use uh, backing tracks. I know we do. That helps a lot to keep everybody in time yeah. and stuff. But still, it, it'll just tighten up the whole overall sound. If everyone comes into practice and uh, has already practiced by themselves. And it really shows, I mean, to the members, we've experienced this personally, when the members show up to practice and haven't done that. It's a travesty. Uh, it's... Everyone, in, it makes it bums if me. If you are that guy in the band, your whole band knows exactly who. It's like, yeah, if you, if you can smell yourself, everybody else can smell you. Absolutely. And if you 
played something wrong and you heard it, I guarantee you I heard it. Yeah. Now Every, everyone knows. Yeah. And trust me, if if you're in a band that is as tight as we are, somebody's gonna say something. Oh, yeah. And it might even be in the middle of rehearsal. Like you're in front of everybody. And it's happened before. And it has started <laughs> some fights and <laughs> We won't, a, we won't, yeah, that's, that's a, a touchy topic. subject. Yeah. Maybe that's our next episode is when your band member decides to just have a meltdown. <laughs> and it happens. Everybody's going to have a meltdown at one I don't point. think you're a true band until everybody's had a, a spat with everybody else. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. We all make it through it. Some of us do. Oh, so far we've all made it through it. <laughs> Barely. Well, some of us. Some have not made us made it to the journey. Well, but, you know, that's another thing that's not even related, you know. That actually brings us to our next uh, topic right here, knowing when to to call it quits in a band. And there's several things. And and first and foremost, it's never personal. Uh, Sometimes it's personal. (laughs) (laughs) It's never, okay, so it's a business, I mean, if you have five, six people in a band, it's not going to be all about business all the time. Personal things happen, but you the know? thing is, is when it gets when it gets some leaving, dissolving a band can be quite an emotional thing. Oh, like, absolutely, because it's, it's spent, one of those things where you you've started it up from scratch and you've been playing in this band this whole time. They haven't really gone anywhere, but you still somewhere deep down you think that it's going to go somewhere. And that's finally every, calling it quits yeah. is just like a very emotional thing. But, Absolutely, and and I think something that that should be mentioned is like it it's not all lost. Like you, hopefully, if you did everything, if you put one hundred and ten percent in it, you came away a better musician. Absolutely, and then you can just take that on to the next and, you know, band. I've you're been with. In, I've been in so many bands that dissolved, and like three weeks later, I'm having a drink with one of them. And like it's all it's all water under the bridge. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, for instance, I mean, we've well, had, it's easier for some members to do that than others. Well, yeah, but yeah, and I mean, we we can all relate. Like, we all know somebody that you know that was maybe a little salty about leaving or having the band dissolve or whatever. And, and absolutely, and we're cool. Personally, now. I've never been that guy to be uh, be the one kicked out or anything like that. Yeah, or. You know, it's I've always been a part of the decision making process I've been of dissolving out. the band. I've been kicked out before and it's an embarrassing it's an embarrassing story. Like What? Oh, I haven't heard this. Okay. Yeah. I think I have to, well maybe I have. Okay. Well, okay. I, I don't think you have. So, let's start from little backstory. I attend MTSU. Uh I was in the music program for like 3 years. I was studying music performance. And a buddy of mine um had uh, a project. He was an audio major, and their projects are they just have to write a song and have it recorded in these super stellar studios. So this wasn't even a full band. This was like a one song kind of thing. Or? Yeah, no, just one song, and it was a country music song. And um, I go into the session, and I'll be honest, I didn't practice as much as I should have. I spent maybe about an hour on the song the night before, and the whole day I was charting it out on the number system. Making sure I have no idea what the number system is. It's it's pretty. It's complicated. It's so. pretty. No, it, it's it's really not though. It's oh. pretty okay. But anyway, yeah, yeah. On with the story. And I'm just blowing my way through this song. Like, I mean, I probably. Could've... What do you mean? What do you mean by blowing your way through the song? Like in the bad way. Okay, I thought you meant by the good way. No, like I'm stopping. You're just barely making it through. Yeah, and 
you know, when you're in a studio, there's a control room mic, and you have to hit a button to turn it off. Uh-huh. And the engineer is talking to the producer, and he's oh, just like... Oh, was the button on? And the button was on. Oh, my gosh. And the engineer looked over to the producer and was just like, he's horrible. Like, they didn't... And, and, and you, you heard all of this. I didn't say anything, and they still don't know, and I hope they're not listening to this. I, I would have straight up told him, hey, guys, I can I can hear you. I was just, I I finished the rehearsal. Everything went fine after that. I so somehow They didn't it. say anything else demeaning to you after no, that? No, they were, and here's the thing. They paid me. I did what I was, I came in and eventually did what I was supposed to do. Yeah. They paid me. I left. We didn't take it personal. But for but the I, next for the next few weeks, I was. But, I lost, after, I but after that, they didn't they didn't want you. No, and that's the thing. Have anything you to screw do. up once in front of a new face, and they never want you back. Yeah. And I can only imagine this guy that I would, did the project. I was like a freshman. Yeah. So I was terrified to come in and <laughs> do this. Absolutely, you're terrified to come in and do it, and then when you fail at it, and that's an even worse feeling. I than, lost sleep. Yeah. I was. No, I, I believe you. So. Anyway, um, knowing when to call it quits, I mean, the biggest thing about music for me is it has to be fun. Absolutely. If it's no longer fun, you're wasting your time. Mm-hmm. You so, shouldn't even be doing it. You should be yeah. putting your time into something else. If you're going out to play shows and all you're thinking about is, man, you know, I could be home playing video games right now or I could be out with my wife or my girlfriend or, or whatever, you know, and you're not, you know... That's all music's about, man, sharing it. Yeah, absolutely. If it's not fun sharing it, then, I mean, why are There's you doing it? There's literally no point in doing it Exactly. it's not fun. So move on, quit, move on, do yourself a favor, and, and start another band or join join somebody else's band. Yeah, and, I mean, you don't have, like, there's a venue for everybody now. Like, Oh, if, yeah. If you don't want to go out and play shows, you know. I mean, we're here in Nashville, and everyone labels this as country music, but really, there's all sorts of venues for all sorts of genres Yeah. Here. Well, so. and I meant like venues as in like Facebook, YouTube, oh, like Skype, social media outlets. If you're not stuff. a, if you don't like playing shows, try your hand at teaching. You know, hey, f- funny story. Me and John Micah, we're like the two original men- members. John Micah's your he's a founder. He's the other vocalist. We have two vocalists in our band. He's uh one of the vocalists, and uh, that's actually how we started our band. We, me and him, both were in a band called Buried in the Sky, and then we left that, and. Uh, we wanted to start a band, and we used we used Facebook groups to to find members, and that's the way this whole band started off. You want to hear how we found members? How Craigslist? Craigslist. I'm not gonna mention this dude's <laughs> name, and we're getting a little off topic here, but this is another. No, great, no, no, we're good. Okay, this is a great story. Another one. So first my, of all, how do you go about making a Craigslist ad for band members? There's that a talent will, there's that a, will attract the right kind of people. That's okay. That's where this story <laughs> that goes. That is key right there. There's two instances, and both of these people scared me so much. Okay, so the first <laughs> time, I'm not going to mention his name because I'm Good. positive he's still like in the scene. But I, and I say positive, I haven't talked to this guy. Last time I saw him, I was like, I hope I never meet you again. <laughs> Um, let's hope he doesn't listen to this podcast I didn't mention his name and he probably has no idea I'm talking about him okay good good well he's about to find out um, <laughs> so we got this guy we met on Craigslist um, funny enough small world he was a friend of a friend actually mm-hmm. and what happened was we had our first rehearsal and this guy was a transporter I don't know if you know what that is no what's a transporter so when somebody dies in a car wreck how do they you don't take them to the hospital 
Oh, yeah. So he's the guy that transports the body. He comes and picks him up in a van that he owns personally. Yeah. And the back of this van was bloody. So basically he's a, a coroner. No, That's he's what, not a, that, No, a coroner, is, I think, is... Um, oh, they're the ones that actually examine it, the body. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he's this guy that transports it to the coroner And or he whatever. was telling us about, you know, picking up kids that have been in car wrecks. And I'm just thinking... Oh my God. That's so depressing. And here's the thing that really just unnerved me. We put thousands of dollars worth of gear into his van and it never once hit us. We just met this guy. We'd known him for maybe two hours. Jesus Christ. And me and Mikey stood at the end of the driveway and watched him, waved him off. And I looked at Mikey and I was like, we just put all of our gear in this dude's van. And that's literally when it hit us. (laughs) <laughs> and the guy was two hours late to the show. We what? were panicking. Wait, wait, wait. Did he? Did y'all put the gear in the van, and then he went and did his job, and then came to the show, no, 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 or no, no. what? He just took oh. two hours to get to the venue. What? It was like fifteen. It was so doesn't we even were, make any sense. We were in Hendersonville, and we were playing at this little dive, not a bar. Well, yeah, I guess it was a bar uh, called Loud House. Oh yeah. And so, but that's only like from Hendersonville. That's only like thirty. 40 minutes away? 30 minutes. Yeah. You know, you just get on the bypass, get off and go. I'm thinking he maybe did pick up some bodies. Or something. I don't know. <laughs> there was no way he could. I mean, his van was like sitting on the axle. And there's something so disturbing about that. Oh, my God. It was terrifying. Is that is that why Mikey's gear got fried or something? Is, do, is it that spooked? Was, no, that was my fault. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing, and I plugged in. We just got a power amp. I didn't even know what a power amp was. And I was like, if you plug it in backwards, I was like, nothing will happen. This is a little embarrassing. And I plugged it into his Axe FX, and it went boop, boop, boop. Just a pop. Boop. Yep. And every time we turned it on, it would just go boop, boop. Oh, man. Boop. You learn. I learned not to touch his stuff. <laughs> yeah, you learn. Yeah. Okay, so you said you met two guys off of Craigslist, right? The second guy was tatted up, had pit bulls. Hey, there's like, nothing wrong with tattoos. This guy had scary tattoos, okay? Okay. And we're like 16. Are we talking like... I've yeah, yeah, yeah. This, and, we're, and we're like 16, and this guy's like mid-20s, and he's got like shotguns in his house, and he's got like pit bulls. And this guy sounds pretty badass to me. Now he is. <laughs> when we're like 16. Mikey liked him. I was terrified of him. I don't know. What would your parents say about that? They would be like, son, just be careful. <laughs> my parents are really cool about me meeting musicians. They're, well, my parents grew up in the scene. Oh, uh, we forgot to mention, what What were y'all looking for? What kind of member were y'all just looking for? Just a vocalist. For? Just a we vocalist? We went years with it. When we actually never really had a vocalist. Mm-hmm. We we had uh, one, of, one of my dearest best friends, uh, Brandon, come in and do vocals for us for a little bit, and then it just kind of folded. Yeah. I mean, he was a great vocalist, and, you know... Like one of the bros, like you just. But I think we, when you're 17, 16 years old, you're still kind of going through that rebellious phase. And what what do you mean by that? Like we were just emotionally unstable. Yeah, and it basically, just, I think what it boils down to is you guys didn't know what you wanted out of a. And band. it got to the point where we were just meeting up and not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah, and when we did do something, it what was, do you mean you're meeting? Just hanging out? Yeah, not writing like we music just, or practicing. Yeah, yeah, and we were like playing video games, and which is there's nothing wrong with that, but it, you know, yeah, 
eventually, I mean, if you want to start a band, there's something wrong with that, right? But eventually, the band has to dissolve, and then what's the point of hanging which, out? Which goes back to our point: knowing when to call it quits. Um, that that's the band you guys were, you and Mikey were in before you joined Wolves. No, and, that was before Kilos. Oh, before Kilos. This, this was is, like 2009. What was the name of this band again? Blood Moon Rising. Blood Moon Rising. Okay. BMR. Yeah. Well, okay. So, what made you guys decide to to finish that? And I don't. I, I can't even tell you this story. Yeah. It's just. Well, I'm not going to. <laughs> okay. I, can, I can hear Mikey laughing in the other room. Okay. Um. It's a bad story. <laughs> it basically. A bunch of friendships got ruined over like one stupid little thing. Yeah, and, stuff that didn't matter. And still to this day, some people won't talk to other people. Uh-huh. So, I understand. It happens. Yeah. Did you guys? Uh, did that band ever play any shows? Or anything? we played three shows at Loud House. The first show was great. The second show was mediocre. The last show, people were like, "Okay, you should leave now." Whoa. Because we overstayed. Like our vocalist showed up two hours late. I mean, the venue was basically closed. But yeah. when we started. So this was the the first guy? Yes. Yeah, the this first was the, Craigslist ad? Yes. The second guy, actually, we never once met him, believe it or not. He was in the band, and we never once met him. Wait, how how does that work? Did just, he just record vocals over no, the internet? Nothing, or? nothing. We were just like, you're in the band. Oh, never once was, met him. Jeez, that is, that's dangerous right there. I know. Yeah. Um. Well, so. we we still have a couple of things on our list that we want to talk about. Um, I think a, a really important one is uh, finding shows and trying to get on shows in your local scene. You're going to know more about that than I do. Yeah. Because you, for anybody that doesn't know, John, Micah, and Brian, I mean, everybody in the band is, is but like... Yeah, uh, well, I w- we, we founded the band, but we didn't really start it. John you know? Micah is just a wizard when it comes to just... He's charismatic. He's super business savvy. And yeah. when it comes to just finding shows, I, th- I think you have to know a little bit of business to get through it. Honestly, I don't think it has anything to do with business and everything to do with uh, meeting people at the shows you play. Networking. Networking. And networking Absolutely. the right way. Yeah, you play shows. Uh, and I'm talking about playing shows for crowds of like 15, 20 people. You, know? you never Not know that who's going to be there. Yeah, you never know. So just be friendly. Talk to everybody you I know. I mean, we played a show in Alabama, and I think only like 30 people were there, but one of them was the booking agent. Yeah. And, and he books. He has booked some big shows in Nashville. Yeah, a lot of the booking agents will be at the shows. Become friends with them, and uh, later down the line, you'll be able to, they might hook you up with the show. And act like they're watching because they are. Yeah, and absolutely. You know, because you're making them money. Yeah. If you can't do that, then they're not going to bother with you. Absolutely. And one of the biggest problems, I think, with bands starting out um, is that they, instead of becoming friends with the promoter and doing that, they're going in there and they're just asking, asking, asking for the show. Every time a big show And that show's... might work once. Oh, yeah. It might work once. They might throw a show to you. But uh, it's not going to work every time. They're just going to think of you as that annoying band that just keeps begging them for a show, and you don't want that at all. What you do want is... Uh, you want them wanting you. You want to have good enough material. You need to have something they want. Exactly. And I think it's a conglomerate. The and, big, and a lot of it has nothing to do with music. I think work ethic, showing up on time, having your own gear, being prepared for an emergency. You know, 
I can't think. I don't think we've ever played a show something didn't go wrong. Yeah, absolutely. It happens all the time. But I mean, you just gotta have a positive outlook. Yeah, and, and you just gotta truck through it. If you freeze and panic, you're gonna slow. The, and that's another thing. Unless you're the the ending band, the headliner, you know, everybody's waiting on you. Yeah. If you're the second band on a on a bill of five, nobody wants to wait for them. Right. They and, just want to skip you, to the. If you screw up and you start taking time, the band that goes on after you, their set either gets shortened or yours gets cut off, and either one is embarrassing. Yeah. Absolutely. Getting thrown onto the stage and the booking agent be like, hey, you got five minutes. So basically, you need to be very prompt. Um, don't be the band that shows up an hour after load-in and the show starts in 30 minutes. And, and then be like, hey, guys, what's going on? Yeah. Have an excuse or something, you know? Show up on time, become friends with the promoters, and maybe they'll start throwing some some bigger shows towards you. And in no way we're acting like we know it all. We're just... We're this just, is stuff we've gone through. We we used to be the band. Yeah. At the beginning, I before think I, Patty and Mikey were yeah. in the band. I mean, we had to learn the hard way. We've uh, you pissed off some people. Yeah. You just you just you learn. You know. Yeah. And that's what we kind of wanted people to take from this podcast today is some of the lessons that we've learned throughout starting bands and uh, just like taking that for what for what it is. You know. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean. It's it's a business whether you like it or not, and how under I don't care how underground your scene is, people are still there to make money. Venues, for instance, every bar we play, absolutely. You know, and another big tip to getting those shows with bigger bands is, um, play your local shows like it is a big show. You know, yeah. Try to get as many people as you can to I mean, come even, out, which even, is a lot, a lot easier said yeah. than done. And I'm I'm not going to name the venue at all, but because they have a pretty prominent online presence. But we did not want to play this show at all. It was about a oh, well, it was almost a year ago. Yeah, and I have we, no idea what you're about to say, but I'll probably remember. Uh, we didn't want to play this show at all. It was a very late show. We show up to the venue, and not one single person bought a ticket. To oh, come see I, us. Yeah. And we played the show. I mean, we still gave it 100%. Absolutely, every time. And nobody, um, it was like, not even the local bands were there to see us. Mm-hmm. Like, like, a couple of people from the local bands were like, cool, these guys are cool. And then they just went backstage and got ready for their set. Yeah. Because I think we were like the first band on. Yeah. And it was, and it was not the best venue in the world. We weren't well looked after. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I Sometime. mean, but Some, it's, you got to dig ditches. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And always give it 100%. You know, even if, even if you're only playing for five people, you just never know. And uh, make sure it's, it's fun. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a key word. I think that's uh, it for today. Thank you guys for joining us on the Wolves Den. We'll uh, be back hopefully next week. If you like this podcast, share it. Uh, if you have some questions for us or some stuff you want us to go over, yeah, uh, just comment. Our our Facebook link is facebook.com forward slash tell wolves. Tell the wolves. Tell wolves. I'm going to... Just Facebook us right now. Tell the wolves I'm home. Um, post to our wall. Uh, you know, if you've got a question, we will answer it. There's no such thing as a dumb question. The only thing is a dumb question is a question that you don't ask. Yeah. So uh, once again, thank you guys. Uh, y'all have a good one.